The House and Senate will both return Monday and stay in session through Thursday. Last week on the House floor, the House came back to work on Monday evening and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House passed the rule for consideration of H.R. 6, the American Dream and Promise Act, then passed a bill under suspension, and then took up and passed H.R. 6, the American Dream and Promise Act. The vote to pass was 237 to 187, with no Democrats in opposition and seven Republicans crossing party lines to vote with the majority. On Wednesday, the House passed a bill under suspension, and then they were done. This week on the House floor, they'll return on Monday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to consider 11 bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House will consider H. Res. 430, authorizing the Judiciary Committee to initiate or intervene in judicial proceedings to enforce certain subpoenas and for other purposes. That's the way the text of the resolution reads. What that does not say is that this is the resolution that will put the House on record voting to allow the House to hold Attorney General William Barr and former White House Counsel Don McGahn in civil contempt of Congress for failing to respond to the House Judiciary Committee's subpoenas for documents, including the full unredacted Mueller report. No, this is not the vote to actually hold Barr and McGahn in civil contempt. That will come later. This is a vote to allow the House to hold both of them in civil contempt. On Wednesday, the House will begin consideration of this year's appropriations bills. They'll vote on H.R. 2740, a minibus appropriations bill that combines the appropriations bill for labor, health and human services, and education, legislative branch, defense, state and foreign operations, and energy and water development. Last week on the Senate floor, the Senate returned on Monday and took up a motion to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to consideration of S-1332, Senator Rand Paul's budget resolution. The measure failed by a vote of 22 to 69, and once again, the majority of Senate Republicans put themselves on record in opposition to a budget based on the penny plan. Though this year, Senator Paul recognized that spending had gotten so far out of control that we would need to cut two pennies on the dollar for every dollar spent in order to balance the budget in five years. So he's now calling it the pennies plan. The rest of the week was spent processing nominations. Over the course of the week, the Senate confirmed Andrew M. Saul to be Commissioner of Social Security, David Shanker to be Assistant Secretary of State, Heath P. Tarbert to be Chairman of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, Heath P. Tarbert to be a member of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and Susan Combs to be Assistant Secretary of the Interior. In addition, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the following nominations, Ryan T. Holty to be a judge of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims, Rossi Alston Jr. to be a U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of Virginia, and Richard A. Hurtling to be a judge of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. So this week on the Senate floor, they'll come back in session Monday afternoon with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to four roll call votes on the following. First up, confirmation on the nomination of Ryan T. Holty to be a judge of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. Then confirmation of the nomination of Rossi David Alston Jr. to be U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of Virginia. Then confirmation of the nomination of Richard A. Hurtling to be a judge of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. And then a motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Sarah Doggett Morrison to be a U.S. District Judge for the Southern District of Ohio. Then, based on Majority Leader McConnell's cloture filings, I'd say the schedule for the rest of the week is more confirmations in this order. Sarah Daggett Morrison to be U.S. District Judge for the Southern District of Ohio. Pamela A. Barker to be U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Ohio. 
Corey Landon Mays to be a U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Alabama, Rodney Smith to be a U.S. District Judge for the Southern District of Florida, Thomas P. Barber to be a U.S. District Judge for the Middle District of Florida, Jean-Paul Boulet to be a U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Georgia, David Stilwell to be Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs, and Edward F. Crawford to be Ambassador of the United States to Ireland. On the border security slash immigration front, well, obviously the big news of the week on the immigration slash border security front is the announcement Friday evening by President Trump that Mexico had agreed to take significant steps to shut down illegal immigration across our southern border, and that as a consequence, the tariffs he had threatened to impose beginning on Monday will, for now, be suspended. This is a big deal, and the left's heads are collectively exploding. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer tried to dismiss it with sarcasm, tweeting, quote, this is an historic night, and then adding, quote, now that the problem is solved, I'm sure we won't be hearing any more about it in the future. Speaker Pelosi, apparently unable or unwilling to address the substance of the agreement, focused her criticism on President Trump's style of negotiating. Said Pelosi in a statement on Saturday, quote, threats and temper tantrums are no way to negotiate foreign policy, end quote except, of course, when they are, which seems to be what happened here. From the moment President Trump tweeted his threat a week ago Thursday, the Mexican government took seriously the possibility that he would impose his new tariffs on Mexican goods being imported to the United States, and that government acted. Within hours of the May 30 tweet, they were in touch with the White House, promising to send a high-level delegation to Washington immediately. Now, this is important because the left is already trying to dismiss that deal as being, quote, nothing new as being simply a regurgitation of things the Mexican government had already agreed to do previously. For instance, the New York Times had a big story on Saturday entitled, Mexico agreed to take border actions months before Trump announced tariff deal, which leads with the following, quote, the deal to avert tariffs that President Trump announced with great fanfare on Friday night consists largely of actions that Mexico had already promised to take in prior discussions with the United States over the past several months, according to officials from both countries who are familiar with the negotiations. Friday's joint declaration says Mexico agreed to the, quote, deployment of its National Guard throughout Mexico, giving priority to its southern border, end quote. But the Mexican government had already pledged to do that in March during secret talks in Miami between Kirsten Nielsen, then the Secretary of Homeland Security, and Olga Sanchez, the Mexican Secretary of the Interior, comma, the officials said, end quote. Except that the agreement worked out between Nielsen and Sanchez said that Mexico would send a thousand members of its National Guard to its southern border with Guatemala, while the agreement announced Friday includes a promise by Mexico to send 6,000 National Guard members to the Guatemalan border. 6,000 men is six times 1,000 men. So Mexico agreed on Friday to send six times as many men as they'd agreed to send earlier. Yet the New York Times says that's the same agreement. That's like saying a guy who agrees in January to buy to pay $10,000 for a new car, but then comes back in June and agrees to pay $60,000 for a new car is making the same deal because the deal is he's agreeing to buy a new car. To which the only correct response is harumph, fake news. Additionally, the Mexican government agreed to increase the number of asylum seekers it will hold in Mexico while cases are being adjudicated in the U.S. Again, the framework of the agreement may have been worked out some months ago, but getting Mexico to agree to increase the number of asylum seekers they'll hold is a big deal. 
Of course, the proof will be in the pudding. It's one thing to promise under pressure. It's another thing to follow through. But the president has made clear he's willing to try new tools in his determination to stop the flow of illegal immigration. Stay tuned. On the spending front, this year's spending battles will begin this week when the House takes up H.R. 2740, a minibus spending bill that combines five of the 12 annual appropriations bills. The bill appropriates a total of $1.295 trillion, which represents an increase of about $50 billion over the last major funding agreement. The majority of the additional spending, about two-thirds of it, in fact, would go toward Domestic spending programs like health and education, while the Pentagon would get a $17 billion increase. In addition to being a budget buster, this bill contains a pay raise for members of Congress. They haven't had a pay raise since January 2009, when their pay was set at $174,000 per year. So this year, leaders of both parties in the House have agreed to include a 2.6% pay raise worth $4,500 per year. Multiple freshman Democrats in vulnerable seats have introduced amendments to maintain the pay freeze, including Representatives Ben McAdams of Utah, Joe Cunningham of South Carolina, Angie Craig of Minnesota, Susie Lee of Nevada, and Jared Golden of Maine. Two more swing district freshman Democrats, Cindy Axney of Iowa and Dean Phillips of Minnesota, have announced they would refuse to accept the pay raise if it goes into effect. The House Rules Committee will meet Monday and Tuesday to decide which amendments to the spending bill would be allowed to be considered on the House floor. Finally, on the staffing front, former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli, who has been running the Senate Conservatives Fund, a group with which we work closely, is under consideration to be nominated as Director of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, CIS. But Senate Republicans, including most importantly Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, don't like Cuccinelli and the Senate Conservatives Fund and are likely to defeat his nomination if the president actually nominates him. So instead, the president may simply make Cuccinelli the acting director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. And that's our Washington Report for this week.